This morning, let us start in Matthew chapter 16. I am, I am pumped and ready to go for this morning. I'm excited. Matthew chapter 16. I'm about ready to explode. Uh, I know I don't look like it. But I am. Uh, Matthew 16, verses 24 through 27. Jesus said to his disciples, in verse 24, I'm reading from the NIV version, If anyone should come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for me will find it. I think that's something that Josh has been going through these last couple of weeks, sounds like. Um, what good will it be for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. Then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And the, the point I want to focus on on this verse and the point of the message today is, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love and your mercy in our lives. I thank you, Father, for the direction that you're giving us as a people that are called by your name. I thank you for each of us, the individual direction you're putting in our lives, the clarity of what you want us to do, the, the direction that you're giving for our congregation, Lord, and, and for our families, and, and just the way that you lead us and you guide us and you direct us. And uh, You're so good at, at establishing our steps and making the way, and uh, I thank you for it. Uh, thank you, Jesus. I ask right now that you just touch the message today. Touch my mind, my heart, my soul, my tongue. Let it be words that come from you, dear God. Let me flow in your anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, and, and here it says, you know, what good is it to gain the whole world but lose your soul? Uh, the soul, uh, most theologians agree that when they define the soul, the best way they found to describe it is it is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, your will, and your emotions make up the soul. It's that core of your being. It's that, that part of you that kind of links God and, and your body and the world and, and, and all that. It's, 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 it's that, that, that heart of man. Uh, that is the soul. And, and the question that Jesus asked here is, what good is it? If you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul, what good is it to have things, but not have your mind, your will, and your emotions complete? And the only way we find that completeness, the only way that we gain our soul is in Christ Jesus, and, and, and putting our faith in Him, putting our trust in Him, putting our, our lives in Him. The way this has worked its way out in my life, and, and, and has been a struggle for the last 43 years, uh, I probably didn't struggle too much when I was a baby, but I don't know. But for 43 years, uh, the, the path that God's had me on is, there's been so many opportunities that I've had to make money, to be in business, to, to do all kinds of things that I know I could have done and excelled at. But the reason I didn't do so many of these things is that I knew I would have to give my soul to these things. Now, not that that's wrong in and of itself, but even the bookstore. Well, when I was at the bookstore, it took my soul to run the bookstore. It took my mind, my will, and my emotions. And it became... Uh, a daily thing where my mind, my will, and my emotions were caught up in the bookstore and doing the things. And it's a powerful ministry. And it's a great ministry. And I'm thankful that I did it. And I know it was God's will for me to start it and to get it going and to, to run it. 
And, and it's still a ministry that's going on today. Some people ask, well, how, how can you walk away from that ministry? I'm like, well, I'm not walking away from the ministry. I set up the ministry, and now it's still going. And the people that I mentored and trained are doing the work. And the ministry is still going forth. I don't have to be there for it to be going. I don't have to have my name on the building. I don't have to have anybody know that it was me that did it. I, I don't have to get any money from it. It was God's idea. It was God's will. And it was God's way. And so I can release that. And, and one of the ways, and I know my wife struggles with uh, trying to understand why I would leave that and, and the security of the income that would have been there and, and those things. But the thing that people have a hard time understanding is my soul was there. And it really came home to me when someone was talking and they, they were talking amongst themselves and they were saying something like, oh, I didn't know uh, you worked at Redeemed Music and Books. And the other person said, he is Redeemed Music and Books. He is Redeemed Music. And they were right. Because I was. Because that was my soul. That, that, that put it in. I, I was the store. It was, it was an outbirth of, of, of me. My mind, my will, my emotions were all in the store. And, and in my time, my time was spent, my thoughts were spent, my emotions were spent on the store, how the store was doing. If the store was doing good, then I was up. If the store was doing bad, then I was down. If... Uh, if, if someone had a problem with the way things were going in the store, I took that personally on myself. And my soul was caught up in that thing. And, and when Jesus says, what good is it to gain the whole world but lose your soul, you have to understand that many times in businesses that you're in, you have to put your soul into it. Uh, I was talking to a guy yesterday at Best Buy about computers, and his soul was in computers. He knew computers. He could tell me about you know, the, the gigabytes and the megabytes and the RAM and the, all the different terms and, you know, what worked good and what didn't work good because his life was caught up in the Now, I'm not saying that's wrong in and of itself. Uh, someone that's really into sports, their life, their soul is into the sports, their mind, their will, their emotions. When their team wins, they're excited. When their team loses, they're down. Uh, when, when the people that are in the stock market sometimes will put their soul in the stock market. And when the stocks are up, then they're happy. When the stocks are down, then they're sad. And the thing that I want to pull out from the scripture is, what good is it to gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is where is our soul at? Where is our thoughts, our, our, our mind, our will, our emotions? What are they caught up in? What are we, what are we putting our soul into? And, and so many times throughout my life, I've had opportunities where I could have went and I could have made large quantities of money if I was willing to put my soul in that thing. But I constantly turned them down and said, no, that's not where I want to put my soul. That's not where I want to put my soul. I don't, I don't want to have all of my thoughts, all my mind, my emotions caught up in the sales of this item. Yeah, it's a good product. Uh, I could sell it, yes. I, I've, I've had products that I've had that I could have sold and made good money on. But I would have had to focus on that product. I would have had to learn that product. I would have had to, every time I met somebody, talk about that product. Say, hey, listen, this is going to help you. This is going to make you better. This, this is what you need, man. If you had this right here, boy, let me tell you, you your life will be complete. And I constantly walked away from those things because I said, I don't want to give my soul to that. But I never knew I, where my soul was going to go. I wanted it to be with God. I wanted it to be invested in Him. And finally, like we shared last week, I understand that my soul is to go to the least of these. My soul is now can be committed to going. And, and God has brought me to a place where now... At my work, I don't have to invest my soul in a job. I can invest my soul into people. I can invest my soul into the, the weak and, and, and those that God wants to work with. And, and I'm so thankful. I have such a freedom now, such a, such a joy to be able to. And, and it's hard. I know, I know my wife struggles with, you know, well, why would you, you know, leave all that 
and go to you know changing diapers uh, and and this type of thing. But now I have a freedom there and the ability to just be with that person and just love them. And and when when I'm gone from the house and I'm not there and Josh and I we work at the house together sometimes uh, in the evenings when we're not there. We have peace of knowing that someone else is there taking care of those individuals. And so we can release that. We don't have to take it with us. Our soul is free to go and spend time with our families or for Josh with his studies in school and be able to, to take in and grow in the areas that he needs to grow in to, to move forward with what God has for his life. And, and I'm able to spend that time with my family now and I'm able to put my soul back into my family. When I was at the bookstore, my soul was over at the bookstore. And I didn't like that. Uh, I loved the bookstore. It was the right thing to do. It was what God wanted to do. There was nothing wrong with it. It's a powerful ministry. But my soul was there, and I wanted to have a little bit more of my soul with my family. But all the time I was with my family, my soul was thinking, well, you know, how's the store doing? What, you know, I need to get some more books. I need to, you know, I need to have another sale. I need to have a promotion. I need to put better advertisement. I need to, you know, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And, and that is what I want to focus on this morning in gaining the world. What good is it if you lose your soul? There's a lot of successful people out there. And they put their soul into it. I worked at Hollywood Video for a while. And they wanted you to put your soul into the store if you were going to manage the store. And I only made it a few months and it just didn't work out. Because that's just... Uh, it wasn't so much even the the type of movies that they sold, but the way they run the thing. I was like, I, I can't invest my soul into this. To, to, to be so caught up in, this is what's important to me. You know, how's the store doing? Is it organized? Is it clean? You know, what are the customer complaints? All these things. And, and there's a place for that. And as a believer, we need to find a way to invest our soul in the kingdom of heaven. We need to find a way to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Uh, look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'm enjoying this message this morning. God speaks to me in all the messages when I bring them. And that's the way it should be. First uh, Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 In First Timothy 6.10 it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And here he's saying, you know, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And many have wandered even away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many troubles. When you love money, you're out for a loss. You're going to suffer. Have you been there? Been there, done that? The love of money. You can get things. You can buy more cars and more motorcycles and more houses and more technology and more land and all these things. But if your love is in money, evil is going to come forth. Uh, the... The, I don't understand loving money. I really don't understand why. I, I can see people doing it, but for me, money, I hate money. I don't like money. I don't like the way money is used. I don't like the way money works because money gets people to do stupid things. It's a piece of paper. What's, what's of more worth? A hundred dollar bill or a penny? It depends on the circumstance, is the real answer. Because if I'm going to Walmart, a $100 bill has quite a bit of worth. But if I was cashing in 
on the market and needed to sell it as a commodity, paper isn't worth anything, but copper is worth more. If I was uh, stranded on a desert island, I could take that penny and I could sharpen the edges and I could use it as a blade, I could use it to cut things open, uh, use it as a point of contact, I, all kinds of things I could do with it uh, if I was stranded on a desert island. I'd much rather, the $100 bill is only good after I went to the bathroom with it on a desert island. I mean, you know, it, the value depends on the circumstances. And yet, so many people put so much value into money. And they esteem money and they think, well, if I had money, then I could do this. If I had money, I could pave the road. You don't need money to pave the road. You need pavement to pave the road. And you need workers that will put it down. And, and so much of, especially in America, we have been trained and taught and indoctrinated into the idea of money. And we have to break free of that. We don't need money. We don't need money to serve God. We don't need money to move forward in the kingdom of God. Well, look, we, you set up the website. And you didn't have to pay for it. They, they, they have their little ads on there, and that's fine. They can do that. It's a little annoying ad. No big deal. But it didn't take any money to do it. The, the technology is there. The ability is there. And money is not what we need to move forward with God. Money is not what we need to be successful with God. If we're going to have a church of 5,000 people, we don't need money to do it. We just need God to do it. We don't need money. It's like uh, John has said before, you know, when we need a new building, God can provide a building without money. And people would say, well, that's just crazy. How do you get something without money? Look, I've spent my life doing that. So often, I haven't needed money to do things. It was the thing that I needed. It was the food that I needed. It was the clothing that I needed. And God knows how to provide those things for us. <laughs> the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. When you start loving money, look, look at the people that make large quantities of money and look at how their lives are turning out. They've got the money. They've got these, these movie stars, and the, and the wife goes from one man to the next man to the next man, and, you know, the, there's, no, there's no sanctity in their marriage, there's no sanctity in, in, in their lives and their children. What good is that? It's only money, and, and, and money is just the root of all kinds of evil. Um, Throughout Scripture, it talks about, in James, and we won't turn there today, James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, talks about the rich and how they can oppress the poor, and how much God looks down upon that, and how He is angry when the rich oppress the poor, and they, they hold back the wages from the workers. And that was what I saw at the, the Hollywood video structure, was the people at the top got paid large quantities of money, but the people that were doing the work, were hired for minimum wage, and they would keep adding more and more work for them. You need to sell more. You need to do more. You need to promote this. You need to do all this. And they were the ones that were bringing the money into the company, but they didn't get paid for it. The people on top that were telling them, cracking the whip, telling them what to do, were the ones that... And that's not a balanced way to do things. That is not God's way of doing things. And that's, that's that love of money, that greed, that, that, that wanting to have more money. I don't want more money. I don't. I don't. I want a house that will protect me from the storms that are outside. A place where I can raise my family. I want the food that I need to eat, to live. And I want clothing to clothe me so I can go out. And I want transportation that can get me to and from where I need to go. Those are the only things that I need. I don't need money. That's the things that I need. Is yeah, like when um, I was first coming over here to to share with you and to to come as as a preacher. Um, Sue asked about you know well, what what are you gonna need for 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 money for the income and stuff. And I was like, well, as long as I got my gas covered, I'm good. Because if God wants me to be here, that's what I want to be here for. I want to be here because God wants me here, uh, not because of money. And unfortunately, that is not the heart of a lot of ministers today. There are a lot of hirelings out there. And the thing about a hireling, it's not a bad thing. At least they're there. At least they're watching the sheep. They do an adequate job. They keep the sheep alive. 
The problem is when the wolf comes in and the bear, they run and hide and they tuck tail. Then there's a problem. But at least there's someone there. They're, 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 they're not bad in and of themselves. It's not bad that they're a hireling. It's not evil or wicked. It's just that they're just there for the money. Uh, they're just there to, to provide for their own needs. And they're not there for the sheep. Uh, I don't want to be like that. I want to be someone that cares about individuals. I want to be someone that's, that's investing in individual lives and, and trying to find ways to help others to serve God and to grow closer to God and help others to find their gifts in the spirit and find their calling of God and be able to get to a place of peace and joy and contentment in their walk with God. I want to help others to grow closer to the Lord. That's my calling. That's all of our calling. And, And to be able to do that and not be focused on Money. There, there were different ideas. I talked to the owner uh, of uh, that I helped start the store, Redeem Music and Books, with, and and once, and I talked about some ideas that I had on on ways of getting the Christian community together and doing some different things and stuff. And he's like, "What? Well, yeah, that that might be okay, but I don't see how that's gonna, you know, pay your bills. I don't, I don't see how you're gonna get any money out of it." And I was like, "Well, that wasn't my focus." And, and, of course, he had an understanding that I needed to, you know, have that house, the clothing, to take care of my kids, and, you know, feed them and clothe them and stuff. And um, I, I really shocked him because when I, when I went to leave the bookstore, I was like, you can just have it. I'm done. You can, you can take. But he's like, no, 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 no. You, you need to at least take some money for it. And so he, he made a payout scheme for three years that, 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 that covered me for a while. Um, but... The idea of the hirelings that are out there and, and the focus that they have on money is is very sad because how much more joy is it to be able to be like Jesus? To be that shepherd that cares for the sheep. To be that one that you know takes the sheep and puts them on his shoulders if it has a broken leg and, and carries that sheep. To be the one that, man, if, if, if a wolf comes or a bear comes uh, to attack the sheep, ready to kill that, that wicked animal and to take it out and to protect the sheep, how much more is it to be able to go on to the least of these and to be able to show love, to be able to show compassion, to be able to bring up their quality of life and say, you are worthy. You are worth it. I want to be here. I want to love you. I want to care for you. I want to bring you up to a better place. Uh, the Bible even talks about uh, interaction with slaves and masters, and, and it wasn't wrong. It's not wrong to have money. It's not wrong to have lots of money. You could, you could have money and still serve God. It's just Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to go into heaven, but he didn't say it was impossible. And the Bible even gives instructions for if you are a master of slaves, how to interact with your slaves. So, so the Bible even had in it, if you have money, if you have a lot, how you have to do it, and that you don't you know, treat them unkindly, that you are still treat them as a brother, and you treat them properly. And there was actually even a place for a master and a slave. So it's okay to have money, it's okay to be a person of wealth, but we can't be consumed with money. We can't put our soul into it. Where is your soul? Where is your thoughts, your, your mind, your will, and your emotions? What are they invested in? Because if you gain everything that you're going for, but you lose your soul, what good is it? There are people that, that invest in video games. There are people that invest in stock market. There are people that invest their soul in in businesses. There are people that invest their soul in so many different things that they get caught up in. And and, and what is happening in those areas is where my thoughts are, my mind, my will, and my emotions are all caught up in this. And they don't have freedom. We can put money in the stock market. We can play a video game. We can be at a sporting event. We can do all these different things, but not put our soul into it. It's just a temporary investment in the stock market. It's just a game. It's just a sports thing. I don't have to put 
my soul into it. And that's where we need to find a balance in our lives. That's where we need to find a place where we're not going to gain all the things that we're looking for, the, the release, the money, the, the provision, and not lose our soul. We don't want to lose our soul. We want our soul to be found. We want our soul to be in Christ Jesus. We want our soul to be in God. We want our soul to be united with our spirit and the Holy Spirit and, and just worshiping God. And we can do all kinds of things as long as our soul doesn't get lost in the balance. And I think that is the big problem that they have in the church today is so many people have their souls invested in the wrong thing. Their soul is out over here, and God is over here. And they haven't found a way to bring their soul to God. They've lost their soul. And what good is it to gain the world? What, what good is it to defeat some, some enemy? What, what good is it to have things if you lose your soul? We want to have our soul found. We want to have our soul in God. Um, and look in Acts chapter 2, or Acts chapter 4 actually. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Car, car horn beeping. Their, their alarms going off on their car. Um, but we won't let that distract us. Acts 4.32 says, God has raised this Jesus to life. Oh, I'm sorry. Not 32. looking at the wrong chapter. No wonder. Okay. Acts 4.32. I was looking at 3. <laughs> I got myself all confused. <laughs> all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. And can somebody read that out of the King James Version? Somebody out of the King James Version? Now the multitude of those who believe were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And so here we see in the early church, and, and remember the... the uh, early church where they would sell property and they'd give it to the apostles and put it at their feet and then they'd distribute it to everybody that had need. And it says that they were all of one soul, one heart. The, the, the heart being, the soul, their mind, their will, their emotions was all together in the body of Christ. And now I'm not saying that we should have a commune and set up a place where we all sell everything we have and we, we, we give it all to each other. Um, I, I don't think that's a balanced way to, to operate within the church. But the attitude of unity and the attitude of helping those in need is something that we should have. The, the the big battle that we have right now in our society and in America right now is the government is trying to be the one that provides for people. And the government is trying to be the one that, that comes in and takes care of the needy and takes care of... I don't want the government to do it. I want God to do it. And that is God's system. And I want to be the one to go and help someone that's needy. I don't want the government to take it from me to give to someone else. I want to give it to somebody else. I want to be the one to, to, to reach out my hand. That's the way God designed it to be. We are to be the ones that have our hands on the plow. We are the ones that are going to get the dirt underneath our nails. We are the ones that are going to do the work. It's not up to the government to do it for us. And so much of the church has allowed the government to do the things instead of being the church of God. Instead of being the ones that's reaching out and touching them. With with Springfield, with the amount of churches that are in Springfield, you can go to a new church every day for a year and not go to every church that's in Springfield. And yet, 
It, it is. It's it, literally, literally. You could go to a new church. There's more than 365 churches in the Springfield area. Um, I, I looked it up on the computer. You can you can highlight the area of the city, and it'll tell you how many churches are in there. And it was more than that. Uh, so you could literally go to a new church every single day of a year and not go to every church in Springfield. And yet, where is the outreach for all the needy in the Springfield area? I'm sure there are some that are doing stuff. I, I don't get me wrong. Don't don't don't. Say, hey, you know, he's talking bad about all the churches in Springfield or anything like that. But I'm saying, you know, the, where's their souls invested? Where is that 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 common desire to to help the needy? There are people with real needs out there, especially with the way the economy is going today. There are people that are hurting, and we need to have our souls ready, complete in who we are. Not out searching and grabbing for more money, but, but wanting to serve God and love God and committed to God and helping those that have needs. Yeah. Having a commitment and a, and, and a desire and a, and a steadfastness that this is a solid place. And when the storm clouds come and, and, and the waves wash over, that they can say... There is the lighthouse. There is the place where I can get help. There is the place where they are rescuing me. There is the ones that are reaching out their hands and pulling me up. And the people will come to get help and we'll be ready to help them. We'll be ready to reach out to them. We'll be ready to give up because our souls are invested in it. Our souls are one in agreement with God and God's desire. You know, uh, we... we Josh was talking about Adam and Eve and, and the fall of man and the, and the things that happened with that. God knew that was going to happen. God, God had a plan for taking care of it. What, with the fall came sin, and with sin came destruction, and the destroyer came, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the reason that we have people born with developmental disabilities and with cerebral palsy and Down syndrome and all these different things that they have is because of sin in the world. Not their individual sin, not their parents' sin, but just because of sin being here. It's caused problems. It's made the weeds come up into the ground. And, and, and that sin has brought all this destruction, all this damage. But God has provided a way to take care of them. He's provided us. The church is the ones to go to those that are needy. To go to the least of these. And, and to reach out in our love. What good is it to gain the whole world if we lose our soul? Uh, Luke chapter 16. I hope you guys are enjoying this as much as I am. Because I am having a blast. And I'm also convicted at the same time. Luke 16, verses 1 and following. I better take a drink of water before I go into that one. Jesus told his disciples in verse 1, There was uh, a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. And I'm not strong enough to dig. I, I am ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their house. So he called to each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. Well, that's a lot of olive oil. Yeah, that's a... Woo. The manager told him, take the bill, sit down quickly, and make it 400. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. 
For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And here Jesus is saying, he's using this illustration and saying, look, look at this. This dishonest person was more shrewd in dealing with their own kind. Um, how did he say it? He said, For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of light. And it should not be this way. The, the people of the world know how to use money to get favor, to get things done, to get what they want, to, to accomplish goals. In the body of Christ, we need to have an understanding of money to where we can use it to best glorify God. And there are times when our interaction with the people of the world, we need to find a way to interact with them in a way that is shrewd. We need to be wise as serpents, but gentle as doves. We need to have that, that wisdom and understanding and how to, how to interact. Uh, I hate the fact that Hollywood has taken over the movie industry and they have their own way of presenting everything and they have all the filth and all the vulgarity and the swearing and all the different things that they put in their movies when the people of God have just as good a stories. Mel Gibson kind of showed the way uh, with his Catholic background and him bringing out the crucifixion of Christ according to his beliefs. Why aren't more and more of the believers doing that kind of thing? Because they haven't got their souls caught up in God and, and they don't know how to get into this thing. They need to be shrewd. And they need to, they need to find a way to work into that system and find a way to get in there and present things like the Passion of the Christ and present quality, high, well-done, entertaining things that will bring forth the message of God. And we should be able to do that, but we're not shrewd. We're not like the people of the world. They, they are so much better at doing those things. And we need to have that wisdom. We need, need to know how to deal with the people of the world. We need to know how to, to interact with our money, money. Because they know how to do it. And Jesus is saying, we need to be able to be wise in how we do it. Luke chapter 12. And we know that when it comes to money, these, the tithe that we give to God, um, we saw Abraham, he brought to Melchizedek 10% of what he took in the battle. Uh, Jesus talked about the Pharisees and Sadducees giving 10% of everything they owned, even the mint and the, the, the herbs that they had. And, and this is an important part of our walk with God is the tithe. And the reason the tithe is important, and the thing that I love about this church is that we do not take the tithe from you. We give you an opportunity to give to God. You see the difference? See, in many churches, they go out and they bring a basket and they take it, the tithe from you. They come and take it. But here, you have an opportunity to bring your offering to God. You have an opportunity to be the one to bring it, set it at His feet and say, Here, God, here's my offering. And, and so I, I love the way that the church does it with the basket up front where we are able to be the ones that give it. And how you give it is between you and God. And, and He's the one that keeps track of it. And He's the one that, that, that loves you and blesses you. And, and it's out of your love for Him that you give. And, and the way we start is with the tithe, with 10%. And that's just a starting point. That's just a teacher. That's, that's for us as new believers to take 10% of what we take in and give it to God. And that helps us to understand the kingdom of God and get into the workings of God. Once we become solid believers and we get mature in our faith, we're going to give so much more than that because we understand, like in Acts, that everything is His. And we want to reach out and need. And we're constantly giving to others. Uh, giving wh whatever we can. And it may not be money. It may be food. It may be clothes, books, <laughs> you know, wh whatever they need uh, th to be able to give and to give to others and to, to reach out to others. Uh, so many ways that, that we can to learn to do that. But the tithe is just a, a stepping stone. It's a starting point. 
it's it's something that teaches us how to do more than that. And most mature believers will end up doing 20, 30 percent, and and you can hear those numbers and think, how can anybody give that much? Well, it's easy when 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 you understand that everything you own is God's, and you are just a steward of what God gave you. And so the tithe is extremely important. And if there's anybody that doesn't tithe, I would encourage you to do that, to start with that, and see how God blesses you as you tithe. Because He will. He does bless that. He does honor that. And and, and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or what anybody else knows uh, about, you know, some people get caught up with because you have to come up to the basket and you're able to give and bring it forward. Um if you did it all at once at the beginning of the month, you know, that's fine. If you spread it out and you do it different times, whatever. You know, it, it's a matter of that relationship with God and understanding that, God, you've provided everything for me. I want to put something back into the kingdom. And and ultimately, it should be that everything is his. And whatever somebody needs, we're going to give to them. But the tithe is that starting point. It's that stepping stone. It's that teacher that teaches us how to be givers for God. And uh, in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 and following, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me judge or arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty good things laid up for many years. Take Life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And here we see a man that is rich, that he's doing good, he's storing up for himself all these treasures and, and wealth that, that he has been able to put forth. And God says, You fool! You're building a bigger barn. Um, somebody in the King James Version, could you read verse 19 for us, please? And I will say to my soul, Oh, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And here in the King James, it's a, it's a better translation than the NIV in that, in that circumstance. And um, I use the NIV for many reasons, but there's, it's not the best translation. Uh, there's all different translations out there, and we need to be able to be open to the various translations for things we need. But, but the King James Version says it properly. Man came to his soul, and he said, soul. It's his soul that he was investing in. It was his soul that said, uh, take your rest. Uh, in the NIV it says he comes to himself, uh, and I will say to myself, you have good, it's laid up, take life at ease. And we, he got to the point where his soul was satisfied. His mind, his will, and his emotions were all invested in the crops and the things that he had. And he said, okay, I'll build bigger barns and I'll be satisfied. My soul is at ease. My mind, my will, and my emotions can take it easy now. I can rest. And God said, you fool. This day, your souls required of you. And God takes him out of this world. He dies. And where is his soul? His soul is still down here. And not with God. His soul is not with God. His soul is with things. It doesn't matter that he was a good Jewish man. It doesn't matter that he followed the laws and the commandments and the different things. His soul was with the things. And that is why it is so important for us not to lose our soul to things. Not to let our soul be caught up in stuff. The, the closing verse is going to be Ezekiel. Ezekiel 44. 
It's on page 802. <laughs> oh, that's right. You have a different Bible than mine. Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, uh, 44. Ezekiel 44. Ezekiel 44, verse 28. Ezekiel 44, 28 says, I am to be the only inheritance the priests have. You are to give them no possession in Israel. I will be their possession. God says, I am the inheritance for the priests. And I want you to know that we are all priests in God's kingdom. And I'll share a message on that. Maybe I might do that next week. The priesthood of believers. But we are all called to be priests. We all have that anointing of priests. And God says, I will be the possession. And so, when, when people come and say, Hey, you know, look at my motorcycle. Look at my car. Look at my house. Look at the things that I have. Look at, look, look at the money that I have. Look at, I, I went to visit my friend out in Colorado. You know, look at his house. Look at all the video games he has in the entertainment center and the, the computers and all the different technology. He's got all these wonderful possessions. And I can say, yeah, I don't have those things, but I have God. My possession is God. I have the creator of the universe living inside of me. I have the great I am that does not change inside of me. He is my provider. He is my lover. He is my friend. He is my comfort. He is my ever-present help in time of need. I have God as my possession. I don't need to have more cars and more motorcycles and more houses and bigger this and bigger that and more technology. I'll take what I need to use and I'll use it wisely. I'll be shrewd, wise as a serpent, but I'll be gentle as a dove. And I won't invest my soul into those things because my soul is invested in God. My soul is looking to Him. My soul is wanting to walk in His path. And even though for me, myself, it was a long path to get to this point, I thank God that I'm here. I thank God that I am in a place where people are not idle and people are wanting to reach out, where people grow gardens to be able to bless somebody else. And even though they're kind of both lame ducks right now. One arm here and one arm there. <laughs> Serving God. Yeah, Serving God, blessing others. Having a soul invested in something bigger than ourselves. Having a soul invested in God. And knowing that the possession that we have, if nothing else, if we're naked and out there on the side of the road, we have God. We possess God inside of us. What a glorious thing. What, what a wonderful thing to, to, to know that, that we can be a people that are called by God. And he said, I am not ashamed to be their God. I don't want God to be ashamed. You know, when I go out in public, I want my children to behave in a way where I can be proud that they are my children. Yes. I want to be able to say, yeah, that's my boy. That's my girl. Who is that that's doing that good thing? Who is that? I want God to be able to have that with me too. Where God can go and brag. And when Satan comes and starts to be an accuser of the brother and says this and this, well, they don't, they don't do this right. They're, they're, they're messed up in their lives. They're, they're sinning in this area. He said, God says, yeah, you know what? I see all those things. But I am not condemning them because there's no condemnation in Christ. It, the blood of Jesus has washed them clean. And I know that they have these problems, but look at what they're doing with their soul. Look at what they're investing in. Look at what they're giving to. Look at how they're helping others. Look at that. That is someone that is humbling themselves. And you know what, enemy? You cannot put them down. I am going to lift them up. And God comes down with His mighty right hand and He lifts us up and puts us before His face. And He says, You are precious. You are worthy. Thank you 
for being my child. Oh, to hear that from God? Thank you. Well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. I am looking forward to that day. And I'm thankful that I can be part of that. I'm thankful that here, that is what we're doing. And praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. Father, I thank you that you are our possession. That we can have you. That any time we go in any circumstance, if we reach into our pocket to find some, some money, some loose change, and nothing's in there, we can pull out our hand and say, you know what, there's nothing in there, but I still have God. I still have you, Lord. If we go to the cupboard and it's not as full as we want it to be, we can still say, hey, we have you. And as, as we rejoice in having you, Lord, I thank you that you have provided for us needy so that we have an opportunity to show our love to you by reaching out to those that are unlovely, that are weak, that are hurting, that we can be the helpers that come along, the good Samaritans that come along and help those that are in need. Thank you for that opportunity. Thank you for, you've given us a way to show our love to you. Thank you, God, that you've given us that way. I thank you for it. I praise you for it. Help me to walk in it, Lord. Help me to live it out in your life. Give me direction. And your anointing, in Jesus' name.